Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Corporate Quitter. Today, I have on Tess Ware-Smith. She's a financial coach and the founder of Wealth with Tess, a financial education community that teaches women how to grow their money using simple investing strategies so that they can retire comfortably, chase their dreams, and live life on their terms. After losing 80000 in bad investments in her 20s, Tess learned everything she could about wealth building and built her net worth from zero to one million as a single 35-year-old woman. Now she's helped thousands of women learn how to grow their money using simple investing strategies so anyone can do it, even if you're short on time or a total newbie investor. So thank you so much for coming on. I think the timing is very just like perfect, right? Chef's kiss with the new year, new me sort of movement. Everyone's trying to get their financial shit together. So thank you so much for coming on and obviously doing what you do. Because one of the things that Tess and I had talked about when we had first met was about the wealth gap and how there's so much between women and men that are different, not only in how much we make, but like what we get to keep and build with that. So thank you so much for doing what you do. But so what is your story? Like, obviously, there's that whole tidbit in your bio about you losing 80K in your 20s. And obviously, that is a big kick in the ass to really get you (laughs) to make moves because I've had similar stories of things like that. But is that the reason you became a financial educator? Like, how did this kind of all fall into place? Yeah, it's a great question. And thank you so much for having me, Gabby. I'm so excited to be here. And I love what you do, too. It is so important to help people spend their time doing what they want to do. And, and I love what you do. So yep. thanks for having me. So my story begins when I graduated from university. I graduated into a recession in 2010 uh, when it was very hard to get a job. And I already grew up with a lot of money scarcity. I had a lot of instability in my family. And I always felt like we I was growing up knowing that we didn't have enough money for things. And, you know, I was very grateful to get a full scholarship to school, but I for athletics, but I knew that if I didn't, I was going to have to find a way to pay for it. And that was communicated to me by my mom early on. So I always grew up with a sense of financial responsibility, but also fear because there were times when I heard a lot like we don't have enough money for that. And that was a common theme growing up. So fast forward, I graduate from university. I'm really excited to get a job and I can't find anything. I get rejected from at least 30 jobs. So I end up in the wildest career of all time as an aerial acrobat on cruise ships. Um, so that was my- What? F- yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's so <laughs> random. Yeah. Well, so I told you the my scholarship was for diving. Athletics, yeah. diving. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when I couldn't find a job, my old diving coach calls me up and he's like, hey, they're looking for- springboard divers that are at a national level to perform in this show that's sort of like Cirque du Soleil. And I was like, okay, that's, oh my God. that's interesting. Dude, that's so cool. <laughs> Thanks. So I ended up going from trying to find a job in marketing or finance to just being a circus performer. That was my first job out of college. And so I did that for a few years. And what was so cool about that was, one, I got to meet all these amazing people. I got to see that there's a totally different path you can take. And I'm not surprised, fast forward many years later, that I own my own business now because it just showed me this that there's this whole other world that's not corporate. So I'm really grateful for that. But the other thing that it gave me was the opportunity to save a lot of money because I was living on the ship. I had no expenses. My accommodations were paid for. There was a crew bar and drinks were like a dollar. Like beer was a dollar. A shot was 50 cents. It was very dangerous. And so I was able to save a lot of money and I knew enough to know that I needed to invest it. So I hired a financial advisor because I had read a few things about investing and I was so overwhelmed that I thought there's no way I can do this on my own. I don't even know where to start. I'm just going to hire somebody to do it for me. And unfortunately, that is where I really started to learn how important it is to understand the basics of investing for yourself 
and to have a strong sense of financial literacy because this financial advisor who was, first of all, a fiduciary, which is somebody that's legally obligated to act in your best interest, was also somebody I grew up with, somebody I knew, somebody that I trusted that was a few years older than me. And after five years of working with them, I started to realize that I was in very high fee funds, that they were charging me fees in all corners of our relationship, that they had sold me a financial product that is better suited for somebody in their 50s, and I was 26. So thousands and thousands of dollars out the window for fees, bad financial products. And at the time, I also made a challenging real estate investment, so I lost some money on that as well. So I was pretty upset because Quite honestly, Gabby, I had felt like I had done the right thing by finding someone to manage my money for me because because I thought for sure, like, I'm not smart enough to do that. I need an expert. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like what most people want is they want someone to do it right. for them and they're willing to pay the money for it. And I think this is based on the timeline. This is before, like, the Robin Hoods and the Acorns and all these apps were available. So, like, you literally couldn't really get in unless you had someone kind of doing that for you, it seemed like, or at least knew how to navigate a banking system. Yeah. Or am I wrong? No, you're you're right in that. And I actually just wrote some content about this is that, you know, now is it, everything is so different because there are so many accessible ways for people to start investing, for the average person to get started investing, to buy some very simple investments that anyone can understand with a basic education. That's true today. But you're right. It wasn't true that we're, we're talking around like 2010, 2012. Back then, there wasn't as much information readily available on YouTube. There weren't financial coaches doing what I do, or at least they certainly weren't easy to find. Yeah. There weren't books that were digestible. There wasn't a lot by women, for sure. Like, there wasn't oh, no, investing. There was none. Yeah, there was no, no, like. And the only, like, the only investing advice I got, or not even, was, like, just save your money. Like, at the time, right. they were still preaching all you need to do is save and put it in, like, one of those high yield savings account, if you can, or just any account. Just yeah, save. totally. And and honestly, that messaging still exists. I saw this incredible stat the other day that, you know, over 90% of articles or something like that, don't quote me on the exact percentage, but basically the majority of articles in finance written for men that you find online are about investing and making more money and growing your money. And most of the articles aimed at women are about saving money and calling women out for being excessive spenders. Oh my and God, which like gets me so aggravated. It's gaslighting. Because, like, well, it's also like, why is it that us going and getting a latte every day is demonized, but like you buying box seats for a season of sports isn't? What the fuck? I'm sorry. I'm just like, it's, I get so aggravated about it too, because like also, I mean, this goes into a rabbit hole of just like women and men operate differently. So we have different needs and things that we need to spend money for to invest in our well being. And so, yes, the sports and whatever else could be your social climbing networking thing but like us going for a coffee shop date with our girlfriend is actually part of the same thing like I'm yes like, whatever we don't yes. go down there okay going back to your story so yes made a wrong sort of uh, investing in like an uh, you know an advisor so then what yes yeah, so all in at least eighty thousand dollars of investing mistakes over a five-year period and i had made decent money on the cruise ship so I was able to save and invest a lot and was super devastated when i realized it wasn't growing at all as it should have been. And the stock market during this time was doing really well because it was recovering from 2008, which some of your audience may be too young to remember, but there was a huge subprime mortgage crisis, which caused a lot of financial instability and a stock market plunge. So mm -hmm. anyway, I learned, I, first of all, I had a ton of shame and I was devastated. Once I figured all this out, I cried for a while because I was so upset because my whole goal 
had been to make sure that I was financially independent. And while thankfully I wasn't negative or anything like that, I had still, I still, when I realized how much money I had lost in fees, just not understanding how financial advisors work and how they're compensated and how those fees can compound over time, I was really devastated. But the great thing about it, Gabby, was that it forced me to learn. So after that, I thought there has to be a way to invest that's not that complicated. I am a smart girl. I've done a lot of hard shit in my life. Like there's got to be a way to figure this out. And so I started reading a lot of books and I started talking to millionaires, people I knew, you know, through mutual friends that were successful people. And I started asking how people were investing and doing a ton of research. And what I learned was investing is not nearly as complicated as we've been led to believe to believe. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there are very easy ways for the average person to start investing. But it feels super complicated because so much of the education is jam packed with financial jargon. And Mm -hmm. and the industry itself is created to play on people's limiting beliefs to make you believe that you need somebody else to manage your money for you, that you're not capable of it. Like that's an intentional message that we get throughout our lives. And so that's why I do what I do now. That's why I love working with women. I love helping women learn the basics of investing because, one, it ends up not being that complicated. Like a lot of the women I work with go, oh, really? Like that's that's the whole thing? <laughs> like once they learn the basics, they realize it's not that hard. And it's such an empowering tool, not just to grow your money, but the outcome of that. The outcome of growing your money through investing is that you have more safety. You have security. You have the ability to leave a toxic job, to leave a toxic relationship. And then, of course, to have enough money to retire comfortably and chase whatever dream is in you. And all of those things investing can help support because it's a way to grow your money without working harder. So I love what I do now. And now I have a whole business around financial education that's non-judgmental, digestible, and creates safe spaces for women. And I'm honestly just so grateful to do what I do. Yeah. So what was the pivoting from like the cruise ship work to actually being a financial coach? Was it like you saw the pickup on TikTok or Instagram or whatever and started posting about your story? Like what was the the, the kind of breadcrumb trail to get you here? Sure. So there's actually a pretty big period of time, almost 10 years between that. And I actually went back to corporate for the first time after I worked on cruise ships. And I worked for a marketing agency for a long time. And I and the company I worked for was a really great company. I'm probably one of the very lucky people that worked for a company with good culture. I had wonderful leaders that I worked for. But about three years ago, my really only close family member at the time passed away, my stepdad. And I think at that time, I honestly had been thinking in the back of my head that I wanted to do something with financial education because I was kind of that go-to person. You know, most of my friends would come to me and be like, hey, what should I pick for my 401k? And Mm -hmm. what should I do with a Roth IRA? Do I need one? And I knew all the answers to those questions because I had learned all this stuff after I'd had that horrible experience with the financial advisor. So after he passed away, I think that I honestly needed a project to manage my grief. And so through that, I started a simple class. I threw it out to my friends and I said, hi, I'm going to do this class. I'm beginner investing. Let me know if it's interesting to you. And I sent it out to 40 of my close friends. Not, I didn't post it publicly or anything like that. I was just curious to see if anyone would sign up. And I think of the 40 people I sent it to, 15 signed up. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, okay. That's a, that's a lot of people. So that was kind of my my test for my business. So I did a four-week coaching program. I did classes every week. 
And I remember thinking when people joined, this information is going to be too elementary. You know, I might need to change it. And every single person got so much value out of it that I knew that if all of these people needed it, and they were all smart, talented, amazing women that were successful, that there were a lot more people that needed this information. And so that experience was really motivating. And then I started posting on Instagram at, at Wealth with Tess is my handle, and I had a lot of positive feedback very quickly. So there's definitely a need for more digestible financial education that's not judgmental and that creates safe spaces for women. So, you know, it was very easy to keep going because so many people I talked to needed this information and felt overwhelmed and didn't know where to start. And I want to be that place to help you start. Yeah, I think for some people, that's also a good reminder of like, Number one, what do people come and ask you about? Because that's going to be just like that's going to be a good indicator of like this is what you should lean into because naturally people are drawn to you for X, Y, Z. And then also, right, you tested an idea just to see if it worked, like like stick like kind of stick your foot in the water, the pinky toe in the water, if you will. And you're like, oh, okay, this is something. Let's run with it. So for these classes and things that you were doing, was it introducing like them to the basics of it, like how to actually someone can get started? Yeah. So it started pretty tactically. Like if you have money that you're ready to invest, it wasn't so much on the debt management side. You know, that is important. Obviously, budgeting and debt management is important. But as long as you've paid off high interest debt, like credit cards and things like that, you probably should be in a place where you're starting to invest. So most of the people that I work with have paid off most of their debt. They all have student loan. We all have student loans, student loans and, and other things like that, but not high interest debt. So mm -hmm. from that place, we really talked through the basics of the stock market so you can understand how the market actually works. Um, because understanding the history of the stock market makes investing actually really easy because you realize that there's very little patterns to the stock market and nobody can accurately predict what it's going to do next. So that actually makes investing easier because the best strategies are investing consistently over a long period of time and not trying to time the market, not trying to stock pick. So the first portion of this, the program, and honestly, that four-week program is very similar to what I teach now. And that was almost three years ago now, which is wild. Um, so the first portion of that is understanding the basics of how the stock market wor works and demystifying a lot of pieces that people think they need to be able to do to be successful investing, like picking stocks, like timing the market, those things are actually things that can really hurt your returns. The best investing mm -hmm. strategies are really simple and investing consistently over a long period of time. So we start there and then we move into some foundational stuff, making sure you understand how much you need to invest to reach your goals, whether that's having a certain amount in retirement or taking your bucket list trip or starting your dream business or quitting corporate, whatever it is. And then we move into how to use retirement accounts to save on taxes and then how to actually choose investments. And that's the part where everyone gets really nervous about choosing investments because they think, oh, I have to read financial statements and learn about stock picking. And what's amazing about this day and age and investing for the average person, and this goes along with, Gabby, what you were saying about how so much has changed and how there are so many wonderful apps out there. There are so many easy ways to start investing with one investment that holds a bunch of stocks at once. So you don't have to learn how to pick stocks. You have to learn how to buy a group of investments that you can continue to invest in over a long period of time that will get the average return of the stock market, which historically has been very positive at over 10%. So 
that's really the journey that I take people through is now, well, to, to back up a little bit, now I've added a big piece on money mindset because when I started, I started with a lot of the tactical pieces of how to invest. But what I realized is that so many women need to dismantle their limiting beliefs first to believe that they're capable of making more money in the stock market, of making money in their business if they're leaving corporate. And so we do do a lot of money mindset work through this journey. But by the end, women know how to open their own retirement accounts and brokerage accounts and choose their own investments. And it's the best feeling. It is so empowering to do that and gives you so much confidence in other areas of your life. So I, I want every woman, woman to learn the basics of investing because it is such an empowering skill. What would you say are some of the most common mistakes people make with investing? Is it just like that a mindset of like a stock trader versus investor or there are other things as well? Like what's the what is a realistic viewpoint in investing? Yeah, so some of the biggest mistakes I see are one trying to pay off all your debt before you start investing. So a lot of people will feel like they have to pay off everything and that can actually hurt your ability to grow your wealth. If you have a high interest debt, like over 7% interest rate stuff like credit cards, that's stuff that you need to buckle down and pay off. But once you've done that, if you have, you know, student loans that are like 7% or less, you can start investing because the average return in the stock market is roughly 10%. So you can actually start to build wealth and pay off your loans. And that will actually help you have more wealth at the end of the day because you're starting to invest and you're starting to benefit from compound interest, which is when your money grows and then that money, that bigger amount of money grows more and then it's a snowball effect. That's what compound interest is. So I think not getting started is a big one. Not understanding how to choose your own investments in 401ks is a big one for those people that are still in corporate. They'll just choose whatever random default investment is available to them. And if you do that, that can have super high fees. It can be super conservative. And then the third most common thing I see is people just handing over their money to other people and not really understanding how their money is invested and what fees they're paying, which is the mistake that I made. And what I will say is that, unfortunately, as I have done more of this work and I have now worked with hundreds of women that have different financial situations, many of which have been working with somebody else, like a financial advisor or something, mm -hmm. their money is, in some cases, not invested at all, just sitting in cash. I've seen that a lot. Or it's invested in a fund that they could easily learn the basics of themselves and save thousands and thousands of dollars over time, but they don't feel empowered to do that. So they're having somebody mm -hmm. else do something that would be super easy to do for them. So I would say, Gabby, it's a it's, it all is around the same thing of not getting a basic financial education before you make a choice of how to invest. That's the biggest mistake at the end of the day. And that's where I try to fill that gap of if you're sitting there going, OK, I have some accounts but I don't know what's in them or I'm working with an advisor. I don't know what they're doing. I know I need to do something. That's where I want to come in and help you learn the basics so that you can decide yourself how you want to manage your money. But getting an education is, is the number one thing that people need to do. Now, I, this just popped into my head and maybe this is a slap on the wrist question to ask, but like, can people leverage like ChatGPT to understand the funds that they're invested in? Like, because you know how it is. You look at those like giant sheets and you're like, what the <laughs> But what is, I don't even know what I'm in, especially when I was in my 401k in my job. I was like, yeah, I'm fine with the default because I literally don't understand this, but I want to, but it seems cool, but I don't understand. Like, 
having an education is one thing, but understanding the funds is completely different. Can you utilize an AI tool like that? Yeah, yeah, you can. You have to definitely be careful with the results you're getting. I've put in a lot of stuff in ChatGPT over the last year, and it can be directionally helpful, but it's not always 100% accurate. One of the Mm -hmm. things I would say is most important before you even dive into what you're invested in is to understand what type of investments exist in the stock market in the first place. So it's kind of like, you know, going out into the wilderness and looking at plants, but like not understanding the different categories of plants. Like if you don't have a basic understanding of what types of assets are in the stock market or what types of things you can invest in in the stock market, then it's going to be really hard to just go in and understand what you're invested in right away. But I will say Mm -hmm. it's much simpler than you think. Like I can teach you in just a couple minutes some of the different types of things that you can invest in the stock market or different types of categories you can invest in. Um, What you can do that's pretty easy is every single fund or stock has what's called a ticker symbol, which is a group of letters that indicates what you're invested in. It's It's an identifier. So you can actually put that ticker symbol into Google and you'll get a ton of information on what you're invested in right there. The only challenge with that is that if you do that, you might get some information, but you won't know what action to take to change what you're invested in. And that's where understanding some of the basics like what types of investments can you invest in? For example, there's stocks and bonds that you can invest in in the stock market. It's good to understand how much of each makes sense for your age. That's called asset allocation. And so understanding stuff like that can actually help you decide what you want to invest in. So I would say backing up a little bit and understanding what types of investments are available in the stock market, learning a little bit more about options that are beneficial for beginner investors like index funds are a wonderful place to start. If you're brand new to investing and you're listening to this and you you want to know what you're invested in. You can definitely look at the ticker symbol and put that in Google, but I would also learn about index funds, which is a really easy way to invest in a big group of stocks all at once, and there's tons of different ones out there. So unfortunately, it's a little hard to, harder to use ChatGPT if you don't have like the background, but I would say any research you're doing is great. Like Any information you're getting, don't just invest in, in there and, and you know not know. Like Go in and try to learn what's in there because... It will all come together eventually. I just had to ask because I know everyone's been using, you know, and like, like you said, it's it's great when it works. And it's also not so like you have to take it with a grain of salt what it says. So, yeah, yeah. there's there's been some searches that have just been plain wrong. <laughs> so, so you want to be careful yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think it's also a little bit delayed unless if you pay for it. I think you get 2024 search results. But if you don't, it might be like two years behind or something. Maybe. Yeah, I don't don't quote me on that. But I think it's a little delayed. Yeah, it um, is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for someone like how does someone get started then? Like, is it just like they go to like a Charles Schwab and open an account and then they like what you know, what are like the three basic things they could do to start? Sure. So I I will say that I do actually have a guide that can help you get started because this is the most common question I get is how to get started. So Mm -hmm. I've actually outlined the four steps you need to take to start investing and to start taking control of your money. And that's in the Savvy Investor Starter Pack, which is a guide I created. So if it's okay with you, maybe we can drop that in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, the we'll just let them. Perfect. Yeah, and then okay. we'll let people go to that. The one thing I did want to talk about, because we do have 50% are quitters. So people who've quit their jobs and they're like, ah, what do I do now? Yeah. And then you have 50% who are still at their job and they're like, I don't want to be here, but I'm not yet ready to quit. So like, what do you do 
before you leave your job to prepare financially? And what do you do after you leave, both in the sense of like investing and maybe just financial mindset and just finances in general, right? Sure. Absolutely. So when you are thinking about leaving your corporate job or if you have already just left your corporate job, you really want to make sure that you take care of your 401k. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So when you have a 401k, if you're still at work, you should absolutely take this moment to make sure that you start to learn a little bit about how you're invested in your side, your 401k. I have a 401k guide that I'm happy to drop in the show notes as well that can help you understand four steps that you need to know about your 401k. But one thing I'll say that I see a lot is that people leave their job and they leave their 401k behind. And then years later, they're like, where is that thing? And how much money is in that? I actually had a client not so long ago that thought she had maybe like 5,000 in an old 401k and she had $80,000 sitting in that account. Wow, that's a really nice. Oh my God, didn't know this was be like, yeah, like save for a rainy day fund. Right. Now, that obviously isn't common, but I will say I commonly work with people that have an old 401k and don't know what's in there. And there's a few issues with that. One, if something happens to the company you're working for, that money doesn't go away, but it can be a huge pain in the ass to get to. Two, when you have a 401k through your employer, and this is true even if you've left that employer, but the 401k is still administered through your through your ex-employer, you're paying fees to invest through your 401k plan. Most people don't know that. And so some of those fees can be really, really high. So if you leave your old 401k where it is, there are fees for the investments themselves that you're invested in, but there's also usually an administrative fee. And sometimes they can be really high, which means you're paying potentially hundreds or thousands of dollars in fees that you could avoid if you actually rolled over your 401k into an IRA, which is an individual retirement account that you can control, choose your own investments, et cetera. So that's not the right, the single right choice for every person. So when I say that, that's not specific advice. But it is really important to understand that you don't want to leave your accounts where they are because you might be paying extra fees. You might not be able to access them. And that's your money. Like it might not feel like that because it's in a retirement account. You can't touch it until you're 59 and a half. But that is money that you worked for. And now that you're either quitting or thinking about leaving, that's money that you have an opportunity to use as a nest egg to help you feel more confident as you're pivoting in your career. So making sure that you roll your 401k over if that is the right move for you and you learn about what you're invested in can be a massive confidence builder and also help you remember that you have some money for retirement, which becomes harder when you're when you're an entrepreneur. It becomes harder to invest consistently over time. So, you know, a 401k is a really nice thing about being working nine to five is that that's automated for you. So that's the first thing I would say is that once you, you know, once you leave or you're thinking about leaving, making sure you manage your 401k. The second thing that I will say is that most people don't realize that even if you are just you're still working a nine to five, but you have self-employment income or you're just building your business part time, there are accounts that you can invest in that can help you save on taxes and grow your money for retirement. So, for example, one of those accounts is called a SEP IRA. You don't need an LLC or an EIN to open it. You can open it at any brokerage like Fidelity or Vanguard, and you can open that account and contribute your a portion of your side hustle income to that. And you can actually reduce your taxable amount of income from your business by the amount that you contribute. 
So that is a really cool tool because you're saving on taxes. And then once you contribute, you make sure that money is invested and then that money can grow towards retirement. So I would say that that's the biggest mistake I see people leaving corporate make is not taking care of their 401ks and then also not realizing that there's wonderful ways to invest and save money on taxes for entrepreneurs. It's a huge benefit of owning your own business. So definitely make sure you work with your accountant um, and find somebody that can help you set that up because it's super important and, and really valuable for your wallet. Yeah. Now, I wonder for the entrepreneurs out there who are like, I'm just I'm on a float right now. Every time I make money, it goes to pay my bills. And like, we don't have a lot of extra. Like, I know that even for myself personally, sometimes I would be like, oh, I'm not going to invest anything or even consider this because I just don't have a lot to invest. Like I maybe $50 this pay cycle, like whatever the case may be. So, I mean, your advice here would be probably just say invest what you can, even if it's literally like nothing versus like you know, being like, oh, I'm not going to at all because I don't have thousands to put in for this pay cycle or whatever. Yeah, Gabby, that's actually a great, you know, we were talking about mistakes people make. And I think not investing when you have a little bit of money is a huge mistake. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Because what one thing that most people don't realize when it comes to investing and contributing to accounts is that small amounts over time can make a massive difference. And unless you're a nerd like me who spends, you know, half my life playing with compound interest calculators, you don't realize that that extra 50, 100, 200 bucks makes a huge difference in retirement. I just did this math for somebody that was like, yeah, but what's an extra $50 a week? Like, is that really going to move the needle in retirement? So, of course, I was like, yes, it will. Let me show you. So I pulled out my compound interest calculator. And we did the math. And with the average return of the stock market, $50 a week extra, which is like, what, a meal out? $50 a week extra. And I'm not saying don't enjoy your life, like go out and eat if you want to, but also save money for retirement. (laughs) $50 a week invested for 30 years at 8% return, which is the average historical return minus inflation, is like $300,000 which is more than most people have in retirement. That's almost 50K more than the average person, the median person has in retirement right now. So if you're sitting there thinking like, "Eh, I only have like 50, 100, 200 bucks, over time, that can make such a huge difference. But also when we talk about mindset, like having the mentality that you're going to invest no matter what and creating that habit is going to be really helpful when you start making more money and you can contribute a lot more, right? Like you don't wait till you go to the gym until you're fit, right? Or you have Mm -hmm. time. You go, you like take a walk, you do like a 20 minute, you know, whatever you can fit in. And then when you have more time, then then you can do more, right? But doing what you can while you can is so important because you can't get the time back. And at the end of the day, the the biggest benefit of investing early is benefiting from compound interest. And I've Mm -hmm. never met somebody that was like, oh, damn, like I wish I had invested less back then. Like no one has ever said that to me. So I think that's a great point, Gabby. Really, even if it's a small amount, it's worth it for for you mentally and for your wallet later on too. Yeah, I just, I knowing like the struggles I've experienced in life and these financial things that come out of left field that I'm not prepared for, especially as entrepreneurs when you don't have a regular salary can be really not disheartening, but just like frustrating. And also like, I think we've talked about this before too, but like the state of the world right now like, especially as millennials, like, and just people, everyone in general, like, things are not good financially. Like, the world is not doing well. Inflation is ridiculous. Things are expensive. People can't buy houses. Like, 
it's almost hard to survive. So there's a part of my brain, at least, that's like, well, I need to take care of today because I don't know if tomorrow I'm going to be here, which sounds like ridiculous. But like with the way that things are going, I'm not quite sure. So like I'm not saying I'm I'm both 50 percent in the investing game. I do have investments. (laughs) And I'm also like playing the woo woo, like, let's be present today because we don't we don't I literally don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Like We can go into World War Three. Like I have we have no idea what's going to come. It's true. I And I think it's a really good point. And I try to find the balance here when I talk about investing, because to be totally candid with you, Gabby, there was a time when I was so obsessed about investing everything I could that I mm-hmm. didn't enjoy my life. And while, yes, yeah. it's nice now, I, I said no to some things that I wish I had said yes to. And no one on their deathbed wishes that they worked harder. I'm actually reading a wonderful book from a personal finance expert that used to work as a hospice doctor. So he has this very interesting perspective on our relationship with money and finding the balance between investing enough to secure our future, but also enjoying our life. And what I I think think I was reading that book. Is it like something to go to zero or something like that? No, that's a different one. The one I'm thinking of is Taking Stock by Jordan Grummet. And So what I love about his perspective, though, is he does talk about, you know, what it's like to not have any money when shit hits the fan, to be in a situation where you are, you know, as we get older, we're very likely to have more health issues. We're very likely to not be able to work for a while. That could happen earlier than you think. And so he brings a really nice perspective and something that I've tried to adopt when I talk about money is making sure that you are aligning your spending and your investing with your values can allow you to do both. It can allow you to invest for the future and it can allow you to spend money in a way you want today. And if you're really intentional about looking at your money, I guarantee you'll find, if you're not already looking at your money intentionally, you're going to find some things you're spending money on that you don't need to be. You'll also find some things that you're spending money on that bring a ton of joy to your life that aren't necessarily like necessary expenses. Like, it could be yoga or like getting your hair done and that makes you feel like awesome and like a, a superhero, whatever it is. Like that stuff is important, but there's probably other stuff that's not important that you are still spending money on that doesn't align with your values. And that's the money that ideally you're investing, right? So that future you can continue to do the stuff that you're doing today. And that's the other thing I think it's really important to remember is I feel like a lot of people think about investing for retirement as investing for like future you. And that's not really like your money. It's just it's your old you and you can't even like imagine a old you. But at the end of the day, it happens faster than you think. And there are so many women I work with in their 40s that are late 40s, early 50s, even most of most of the women I work with are late 20s and 30s. But there is a demographic in their 40s and 50s and they have a ton of financial anxiety. Because now they are getting to the point where they see retirement down the road and they're realizing that they don't want to work forever and they're not prepared for it. So just because it's not top of mind for you today, it's really hard to like put yourself in the shoes of somebody that's a lot older. So my recommendation is to be intentional about how you spend money, align it with your values, but then also make sure that you're taking care of owning your future by putting some away. And you can do both. If you're making enough money, you can do both. I'm not saying that it's super easy and you're right. Like the economy is crazy. Things are expensive. I'm not into like pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality because that's not possible for everyone. Like we don't all start from the same place. That said, 
I also don't think enough people are being really thoughtful about how they're spending their money. And so starting there is a way to start to divide it between future you and today you. Yeah, I actually this past month, I had to go through the exercise of being really intentional about money. For a while, I had been just like kind of knowing what I was spending on things, but like not really documenting it because my brain was like, oh, well, I'm building a business and it's going to be really wonky the first few years, which is like expect totally like Mm -hmm. we have to give ourselves grace as business owners and people who are building things that are new and as being new investors. But I spent, you know, this past month really thinking about like, okay, what am I actually spending a lot of my money on? And am I happy with this? And like, I was actually surprised to see like areas that I was like, oh, like that's frivolous. I actually really, really loved like going to like a sauna cold plunge and having a day with my girlfriends. Like I'll do that every so often. I might do a membership to actually do that routinely. It's actually more important to me than going out and getting a latte every day, which would actually equate to the same amount every month, (laughs) which is nuts. So like, you know, I... There's certain months for certain things, but it's just it is interesting to see where your values are and how they've shifted over time. But yeah, it's it's well, I think I told you too when we had we had first met was that I actually had to take when I took my 401k out, I went to go put it in a Charles Schwab account to do the whole investing thing, like had all everything like set up, whatever my index funds, and then I got hit with the illness and basically had to use that to pay for medical expenses at 29 years old, and so like. That was me at 25 years old, basically preparing for, unfortunately, 29 and not 65. And I'll build it back up again. It's totally fine. But like, I would not, I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had access to that, like right. legitimately. Like, right. I go back home and have mommy and daddy help me, which is totally fine. But like, also, like, they wouldn't even be able to. Like, I don't come from a family that has wealth like that. Like, they wouldn't, right. I, I would have been completely strapped. Well, and that's the, that's to to bring this full circle what we were talking about earlier is that when I think about helping women grow their money and helping entrepreneurs grow their money, my first thought isn't I want them to like be rich and have mansions and Lambos and like comfy retirement. I don't think anyone really wants it anymore. No, honestly, I, we just, no. I just want to fucking like just the basics, <laughs> dude, like the basics, not even yeah. like asking for the bare minimum. Yeah. Like I want women to be safe, to be able like yeah. because some people can't go back to their parents' house or yeah. they're in a relationship. And they're not leaving because they're not comfortable financially. Like Which for I've me, had that experience too. And it yeah, sucks. yeah, it's it's horrible, and it breaks my heart. Like my my number one conversation I have with people privately is usually around someone either leaving a relationship and feeling uncomfortable financially and suffering from that financially, or they are in one and they want to leave but they can't because they feel financially tied to another person. So when I talk about investing for retirement and investing even for today and being thoughtful with your money, it's less about a a goal of trying to like plan for future you. Like that's all great. But what we're also talking about is safety and security and independence, like really basic needs that every woman deserves. And so if none of the other things we've talked about have motivated you yet, like that should be it because you need to have enough money to take care of yourself if shit hits the fan with an illness, which can happen at any age, not just when you're older. Like if you're in a, in a relationship, God forbid, where you don't feel safe and you can get out like that happens so much more than and and I never share these things publicly because they're obviously very private to these people. But there are a lot of women I've worked with that have been in tough situations or even corporate, right? Like corporate can be very toxic and very oh, challenging yeah. for your mental health. It's its own toxic relationship in itself that just exactly. like dangles a really nice carrot in front of your face. Like it just, <laughs> exactly. yeah. 
Exactly. So if 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 not for nothing, like that is what's so important about securing your financial future is so that you can take care of yourself today and in the future and not get stuck in a situation that you can't walk away from or feel like you can't walk away from. That is the scariest thing to me. Also, like I think what had helped me too was understanding that wealth is built in bits. Mm-hmm. So it's not done in a year. Don't think that you're going to do all your research today and figure it out and have it all done tomorrow. Like <laughs> yes. it takes time to understand like education wise and also make the investment and read the rewards of it. Like Exactly. Shut the fuck out. Like, please just <laughs> like relax. Like, I'm fine. I'm glad you said that because there is so much. You know, what one of the great things about social media and the access of information is that there is a lot more information for women and entrepreneurs to learn how to manage their money and how to invest. But the flip side of that is there's also a shit ton of snake oil that says things like, "Oh." You can be wealthy just like me. Like, I quit my job three months ago and now I'm a millionaire, like, whatever. And I do it by laying by the pool. Like, that's not real. (laughs) And and there's a lot of that. And so I'm very clear, like, yes, I I have built I have built my wealth up to, you know, I have a net worth of of a million. I'm in my mid-30s. That started 10 years ago and was a lot of mistakes and a lot of up and downs. And that's uncommon and some luck, honestly, Gabby. (laughs) Like some real luck. Like I bought proper a few properties very small at the end at the beginning of 2010s so i benefited massively from a housing market that returned so i say all that because like it could be easy to look at that and be like oh that's overnight success it took 10 years and it took some luck and like that's why say too, like, yeah. and you lost 80k and you and still I lost got a lot out of my- head like come <laughs> on like it's still I mean, if anything, it should be inspiring, even for me, because I'm still, again, like having to replenish the investments that I had to take out to whatever. But like, it's I think, especially right now with the world being what it is, like it is volatile, but I think that there are ways to look at it. So it's to your benefit. Right. Exactly. And at the end of the day, the world is volatile. The economy can be crazy. But at the end of the day, it's still our responsibility, right? It might not be your fault that it's hard. It's not your fault that it's hard to buy a house or groceries are really expensive. It's not your fault that you might have not gotten a financial education as a kid or growing up. Your parents might not have taught you the basics. I didn't learn the basics. And that's not your fault. It should be part of our standard education system. And don't even get me started on that. But either way, it is your responsibility to do the best with what you have and to learn as much as you can now. And with the more you start to learn about your money and the more you start to pay attention. And I know even that is a stretch for some people. Like even it is. looking at your <laughs> accounts. You. Yeah. Is like, really like, oh my stressful. God, look at the hole that I've dug myself. Like, <laughs> yeah. How the hell do I get myself out of it? I've yes. been there before. Yes, for sure. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I can't remember who said it, but but I love this quote. The magic is in the work that you're avoiding and it's the wealth is yep. in the work that you're avoiding. Like you cannot possibly build wealth or get yourself out of a hole or even get to a place where you're comfortable if you don't start learning about money, improving your relationship with money by looking at your accounts and not being afraid of them, right? Like being grateful for what you have now and then realizing that you have the opportunity and you are capable of changing your situation. But like you said, Gabby, it's not an overnight thing. It's going to take time. And and that starts with an education. And that's that's what I why I do what I do. Yeah. So as we wrap this up, I'm wondering, you've given quite a bit of advice, but if there's one final piece of advice you could give to your younger self, what would that be? It would be to get a financial education, honestly, earlier. Like, I wish I had learned the basics of money and not been afraid of learning. 
and believed that I was capable of learning. Because at the end of the day, you are the only person that can guarantee your financial independence. Even if you're with somebody that's great, that understands money, even if you have some money now, if you have, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, it's really up to you. And so learning the basics of this can not only help you build wealth, but also can massively help reduce your anxiety and stress. And yeah. that is obviously plaguing so many people. So that would be Especially my Especially women. Especially oh women. Like, yeah. I did not think I was capable. I still at times I'm like, I don't know how to do what I'm I don't know what I'm doing. I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. And still like, <laughs> you know, I thought for a while what sounds like messed up, but there's like the Cinderella, you know, experience of like, oh, some dude's just going to save me. Like he'll figure whatever. And like, mm -hmm. that's not the, not nowadays. I mean, it didn't work for a lot of our parents, but it's not going to work now either. So you have to be the one to save yourself. Yeah. And you're totally capable, especially if you're listening to this podcast, right? You are somebody that is thinking of you're probably working in a relatively challenging job. You're thinking of leaving and starting your own business or you're working on your own side hustle. I promise you starting a business, running a side hustle is way harder than learning the basics of money. It just feels complex because it's another language and there's a bunch of jargon and bullshit that you have to wade through, but you've done harder things. And so in addition to the advice to my younger self, I would want her to know that learning how to manage your money and learning how to invest is so much simpler than you think. It just takes a little bit of education. I wish I had known that. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Well, this has been great. For anyone who's wanting to get connected with Tess or, again, get involved with her workshops, download the guides. All the information will be in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on. This was, this is really, really helpful. And I hope it inspires people to take, you know, their, their finances by the ball, so to speak. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Thank you, Gabby. And please feel free to reach out. I'm on Instagram at Wealth with Tess and I read my DMs, no bots around here. So if you do have a question or you have no idea where to start, I would absolutely love to help you. So happy to be a resource. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Gabby.